I greet you this evening in the precious name of our Lord and Savior again. Thank you, Brother Louis, for your opening comments and um, the idea of being open and the idea of allowing God to, to look into our hearts and into our lives. And, um, and I will say this to the youth, I, I don't feel like I'm a man of much wisdom, okay? Uh, but I, that comes with years, I think, so I'm really glad that Daniel Reif is going to be with me um, when, I'm, when I'm getting these questions. Uh, he, uh, Daniel Reif called me and asked if I would consent to doing this and I, uh, with the youth, and I said, under one condition, and that's that I can say I don't know, okay? So, so young people, I don't feel like I am a man of, of tremendous wisdom, but we'll endeavor to answer the questions that, that may be on your heart uh, as you, as you uh, continue to mature in your lives. I invite you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. <clears throat> titled the message this evening, The Price is Paid. And um, here in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26 and 27, Ezekiel is speaking to the children of Israel and the children of Israel were living in the land of Babylon. And they were in the land of Babylon because, well, because they didn't follow what God wanted for them. And um, in verse 26 here, it says this, and this sounds very New Testament-like. You know, sometimes we come across these verses in the Old Testament, and they sound very New Testament-like, and, we, and, we, and they're kind of refreshing as we go through the Old Testament. And here's some of those verses, and it says this. It says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Like I already said, God was speaking to the children of Israel. The children of Israel were in the land of bondage. They were un, in captivity to their enemies. Their souls, their hearts, their bodies were in captivity to um, to the people of Babylon. This was because of the, of the life that Israel had lived up to this point. The people of Israel, I don't have to tell you, were a stiff-necked, rebellious, lustful, self-willed people in their living. Does it sound familiar? I think people haven't changed much. Okay? I think people have relatively stayed pretty much the same. But we see that God in his great mercy, as Israel would, you know, this was a track record with Israel, right? They would, we, we know this, they would, they would serve the Lord and then after a bit they would serve idols and, and God is a jealous God and he would, in his mercy, carry them into captivity, okay? It was the mercy of God that brought the judgment of God upon Israel from time to time. And, um, and, and it was a continual process, for the children of Israel. And, um, and here we have Ezekiel coming to the captives in the land of Babylon. And he says, I want to tell you something. That there is coming a time when there's going to be a heart change. When there's going to be this heart that is taken out of you. This heart of stone. This, this heart of, of, of arrogance and, and lustfulness and so on. And I'm going to give you this heart of flesh.
You know, Ezekiel was pointing forward to a time when God would, would deliver the children of Israel. You know, God, God delivered his people time and time again. He delivered them out of the land of Egypt. He delivered them out of the land of Babylon. He delivered them from the Assyrians. And, and we can go through all of that time and time again. But I believe even more than that, Ezekiel was pointing Israel forward to a time when there was going to be a greater change that was coming for the people of Israel. I believe that he was pointing to a time that was more than a physical deliverance, but it was a spiritual deliverance from the bondage of sin. And ultimately pointing forward to the life and to the work of Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and there's one verse in this passage of scripture that we want to take a look at, and, um, and then we're going to build around it. We're going to look at several verses, but one verse in particular that stood out to me, and this is maybe the New Testament version of what, of what um, Ezekiel was telling the children of Israel in their captivity. First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians, I'm not sure what I said it is. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 is the verse that I really want to focus on tonight. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Does that sound like a new heart? It tells us here that old things are passed away, and here's our word again, behold, all things are become new. You know, God was at work in the children of Israel to bring about a change of heart, to bring about a change, a, a change a, that, that brought a, a soul deliverance for the children of Israel. And you know what? Today, God is still in the same occupation of bringing about soul deliverance for us today. And that's what we see here in this passage of Scripture. Tonight, we want to look at the deliverance that Jesus Christ brings to us the deliverance from sin. Let's back up into verse 14. We're going to begin reading there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that one man died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation." To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them that hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made, me, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that he might be made the righteousness, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's a loaded few verses of scripture. 
There's a tremendous amount of things in there as we think about Jesus Christ being the ransom for ungodly mankind. The deliverer, the one that, the one that brought about deliverance. If we go into... Um, if we go into verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Dear ones, tonight, look at the work of Jesus Christ. That we no longer live for ourselves, but we then have a heart that lives after Jesus Christ. If we go into verse 17, it speaks there about two conditions. An old condition and a new condition. Paul uses the term old and new, and it's something that we understand. You know, when we say something is old, we say it's worn out or it's less than desirable. You know, I have a truck, and, um, and my truck is rusty, and um, my, truck is, <laughs> my truck is old, okay? It's actually not many years that many years old but in in truck life it's it's old okay and um and it's rusty it has about 300,000 miles on it on an original engine and transmission and so I don't trust it very far okay it stays pretty close home and um and you know the other day I was I was over at the farm okay so we live around the block from where we rent some ground and I was over at the farm and I had taken the lawnmower over to to um, cut the grass there around the farm. And um, so I had my trailer hooked up to my truck and, and I was coming home from the farm and my wife was there and she had left before me and I, I loaded up the mower and, and headed for home. And I pulled out on 296 and I stepped on the gas pedal and the truck just went about five miles an hour. And I said, well, this is, this is interesting. So I quick pulled off the side of the road, and it's running, and it's misfiring, and it's sputtering. And I said, well, this is the end. Okay, this is, this is, this is the end of the old truck. It's, it's just, it's history now. And so I thought to myself, I said, boy, I, I don't know. I don't have anybody real handy to tow me anywhere. So I said, well, five mile an hour is better than walking. So I, so I just put it in gear, and I, and I held it flat, and I, you know, kind of waved at the neighbors as I went by and they kind of <laughs> they kind of looked at me and said well they probably were figuring it was coming any time and and um and I just knew when I shut off that truck it was never going to start again okay I just I was convinced and so I puttered up the road and down my road and waved at the neighbors and waved cars past me and and I got home and well before I got home my wife called me and she said where are you at and I said I said, uh, I'm coming, uh, and, and she said, what's going on? And I said, well, it's just kind of, the truck, the truck died, okay, that's long and short of it. I figured turbo wind or the engine wind or something, it don't matter, it's, it's, it's all over now. So I figured I may as well get home. Got home and I turned off my truck when I parked it where I thought it would never move from again and I started it up and it healed itself. So I'm not sure the truck really stays close to home now. And, but I say all that to say this, that I look at that truck and I say the condition is old, okay? And it has I have developed a tremendous scrutiny, okay? A tremendous scrutiny about my truck. I don't trust it very far at all. In fact, I have a condition called condemnation on my truck, Okay? I don't, you know, I don't find many positive, I didn't tell you many positives about my truck, did I? You see, I was, it's, a, it's, it's under my condemnation. You know why? 
because it's old. Because it's, it's done, okay? It's been running fine since, and I, I, I thank the Lord for that. But, um, you know, God's pointing to humanity. And he says, in our humanity, we're a lot like that truck. We come under the scrutiny of the owner of that truck. We talked about ownership last night. And we come under the scrutiny and the condemnation because of the condition that humanity has. Humanity's condition is not rusty. Humanity's condition is not misfires. But dear ones tonight, the condition of humanity and its oldness is that humanity lives in sin. Humanity not only uh, lives in sin, under sin, they were born under sin. This is the physical reality tonight, dear ones, is that when we were physically born, we were spiritually old. Think about that. When we were physically born, we were spiritually old. We were already under the condemnation because of the condition that each man, each man and woman here has because of sin. If we turn back just a little bit into Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says this. It says, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The scripture is clear tonight, dear ones, is that in our humanity, every one of us is born with the Adamic nature, Satan or Satan, uh, or I'm sorry, Adam passed to each one of us at our birth. You know, Adam was created in a pure, perfect, sinless world. Today, not one of us can fathom that world. Not one of us understands the world that Adam was born into. The nature of man at the beginning was perfect. That meant that man was bent Godward. That man was in his, in his, in his best, in, in his worst moments, he even was pointed Godward. His bent was not towards sin. His bent was not away from God, but his bent was towards God. That was that creation, that perfect world. No lust, no sin. But dear one, something happened in that moment in the Garden of Eden. Where Satan was the only source of evil. Think about that. Only one source of evil. Satan. That's a, that is beyond our imagination. And we know the story, dear ones, how sin entered upon all humanity. God had given very clear and definite instruction to mankind. He said there is all of this garden, all of this beauty, all of this, all of this perfection that is before you. But there's one condition, and that is one tree that's in the middle of the garden is off limits. We know Satan appealed to the intelligence and the desire of man, and man fell. Since this time in history, sinfulness has passed upon all humanity. From that point forward, there was sorrow. We only go one generation, there was murder. You know, 
things went downhill pretty fast. The depravity of man was on display. We only went several generations and God says, that's it, I need to destroy the world. You see, the level to which man's depravity will take him is so far away from God. Man went instantly from being focused on God to being bent away from God. When God came to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? Adam was hiding behind a bush. Why? Because he was no longer in direct communication with Almighty God. I already said this, sinfulness is part of every human that has ever been born. Not one of us parents tonight has ever said, well, today I'm going to teach my children to be naughty. They just, we don't have to teach them. They already know. You know, this is the old man that's being referred to here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. People cheat, people steal, people lie. People exaggerate. People are immoral. They're lustful. You you look across our nation. You look across our world. And the depravity of man every day becomes more on display in our culture that we live in. Man apart from God is filled with sin. You know, there is a belief that is out there today that man is actually good. How many of you have, I I don't know, but I run into this pretty often as I relate to people in my community. And they say, well, you know, actually, they're really a good person. They, they really are a good person. They are just in a bad set of, a bad set of circumstances. We were selling some pumpkins. I, this area in pumpkins is like crazy. I was over at the Buffalo Valley auction today, and there is pumpkins everywhere around here. And, um, but we were selling a few pumpkins at the end of our, end of our lane, a neighbor of mine and, and myself, and my neighbor, he had problems with people stealing his pumpkins. Okay? And, and his wife said, she said, well, she's sure that it's only one person taking the money. Because really most people are good. Dear ones, tonight, that is not what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us that the heart of man is deceitful. The heart of man is wicked. The heart of man is turned away from God. Many people say we need laws to reform mankind. If we change his circumstances, things will be different. Dear ones, tonight, when we fall into that trap, we fall into the lie of Satan himself. Man is born with a sinful and depraved nature. And along with that sin, there comes a guilt And there comes a condemnation upon every person before God. And tonight, apart from Jesus' intervention in our lives, we all bear the guilt that all of Adam's race bears. You know, as a child, we know what it felt like when mom or dad caught us doing something that they told us specifically we should not do. We all remember that feeling, right? You know, you're not supposed to slide off the ag bag, okay? You, you know, you're not supposed to. And why is it then so tempting, right, to slide off the ag bag, okay? That's, that's just one that's distinct in my memory for some reason, okay? And, um, and you know, 
when dad comes around the corner of the barn, (laughs) you know the feeling? There is guilt. There is condemnation. Dear ones, tonight, if we before God have not fallen on our faces and confessed our sins before 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 the cross of Jesus Christ, that's the feeling. That's the feeling of weight and sin and guilt that weighs upon humanity. The other day, my wife and I were sitting in a mall. We had just a few minutes that we could slip away, and we needed to do a little bit of shopping. And so we, were, we decided to grab some supper. And I said, well, let's just sit down here in the mall and just grab some pizza or whatever. And, and we're sitting there, and, and we're, we're observing. This is, I like sitting in the mall, actually, uh, a little bit, okay? Not for long, just a real little bit. And um, in the food court is great, okay? And, 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 you know, we're sitting there, and people are filing past us. And um, we're observing people as they come and go. And, and my wife looked at me, and she said, she said, just watch the people's faces. I said, yeah, I've been watching people's faces. Dear ones, tonight we are surrounded in our culture with people that are under the weight and the condemnation of sin. And it shows on the faces. You know, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he came before an almighty God. God called to Isaiah and he says, who will go for me and who will, who will um, go do my work? Putting it in my own words. And, um, and Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And he saw the glory of God. He saw the holiness of God. And Isaiah fell on his face and he said, woe is me. When Isaiah got a glimpse of the holiness of God, he also then recognized his own sinfulness before a holy God. One of the greatest deceptions of our time, and I might speak about this later. I'm not sure where the Lord is leading us uh, all this week. But one of the greatest deceptions of our time is that we fail to see sin as sin. We call it mistakes. We call it failures. We call it, uh, you know, you name it. We've heard all of them, right? Dear ones, tonight when we transgress the commandments of God, we have sinned. And Isaiah, as he came into the presence of a holy God, he says, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. He's seen the holiness of God, and when we see the holiness of God, we know we are sinful. You know, we're tempted to say, well, I'm not so bad. But dear ones, tonight, if our hearts have not been redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we are under the condemnation of God. And I want to say tonight that to be under the condemnation of God is to be under the ultimate condemnation. To be under the ultimate weight of guilt. You know, we understand consequences and wrongdoing. We receive our our fair dues and and, and life goes on. That's complete, right? We understand the, the sowing and reaping a little bit when I was a child and sliding off the ag bag after I was told not to. I got my just reward for that. I got my dues and then life could go on. But dear ones, tonight, 
One of the things that is so sobering today, tonight as we think about a condemnation before a holy God is that God tells us very clearly in his word that sin brings death. Not just a, not just a, a um, physical death, but a spiritual death. An eternal death. A death forever in the lake that burneth with brimstone and fire called hell. Dear ones, that is the level of condemnation when we have sinned. That's sobering tonight. That's serious tonight. As we think how Adam's sinfulness has come upon all mankind. But thank God... The story of humanity doesn't end there. Praise God, the story of humanity goes on and there is redemption. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the last part of that, uh, of that verse, speaking of God, he says, "...is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Dear ones, tonight, there is an answer for being under the guilt and the condemnation of sin. Praise God tonight, if you feel the weight and the guilt and the condemnation of sin, it is by God's mercy tonight that we feel that in our hearts. And God has prepared a way for us to be free from sin. Go back into uh, 2 Corinthians. Verse 18, it says this, And all things are of God who hath reconciled. What a beautiful word. Who hath reconciled us to himself. To be reconciled simply means, if you look it up in the Greek, it simply means to be changed. Okay? It simply means to be changed or, to, or, or an exchange. Okay? So, so a change and an exchange. Look what he says here in verse 17. We take off the old and we put on the new. No, we, 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 we leave the old and we are the new, okay? You see, the, um, the, the exchange, the change that is necessary. You know, back to my pickup truck that is under my condemnation currently. You know, there's a lot of people that restore vehicles. Uh, they, I have some neighbors, they, they get excited about restoring vehicles. So I guess if I wanted to, I could take my truck and I could do a restoration on my truck. I could fix the rust. I could pull out the motor and the transmission that have 300, almost 300,000 miles on them. I could put them to the scrapyard. I could get something new, and I could put it in that truck. You know, I would still have an old truck. You know, there's a lot of people that go through life, and they don't understand reconciliation. They try to look for reformation. Reformation is that idea where I take that truck and I restore it. I, I try and hide the rust. I try and take out that old engine and, and put in something that's going to be good. Dear ones, tonight, that's reformation. And God is not interested tonight in reformation. God is, re, uh, is interested tonight in reconciliation. In becoming right to have that change and that, and that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, God tells us in verse 17, 
He says, he is a new creature. No longer an old truck. Probably the, the easiest explanation that I have or the, or the visual that I can explain to you is the caterpillar and the butterfly. This is the picture that I see here in verse 17 where we put off the old for the new. This is called the process of metamorphosis. Could you list for me one resemblance between the butterfly and the caterpillar? Just one resemblance. I think you're hard-pressed to find one resemblance between the caterpillar and the butterfly. It's because there is a change. There is a transformation. There is a change that is new. There is something that comes forth that was never seen before. And that's what God is telling us here in verse 17. He says, in our old state, we're under the condemnation of, of God. And God is not interested in us simply becoming a better looking caterpillar. Okay? That's not what he's interested in. But God is interested in us going through a transformation process that we can spring forth as that butterfly that takes place in our natural world. The old is gone. Everything is new. Out with the heart of stone, in with the heart of flesh. You see, a complete transformation. New desires. Think about the butterfly and the caterpillar. New desires. No longer eating squishy green leaves, but sucking, sucking the nectar of the flowers. That new desire that, that infiltrates a believer. New habits, new ways of thinking. Oh yes, there are struggles that go along with this. I'm not saying tonight that after this process of, of transformation that everything is just easy and, and, and good. Okay? There's struggle that goes on after that. There's, but we can struggle on in victory. But we will have a new desire. A desire for the things of the Lord. This transformation... This reconciliation that takes place tells us very clearly here in verse 18 that he has reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ. I mentioned last night that Jesus Christ is the centrality of all of Scripture. He is the one that is, that is central to all of Scripture. God created man to have fellowship with him and sin separated man from God. Nothing that man could do could bridge that gap of separation between a holy God and a sinful man. And it is God's desire to restore that fellowship with every person that is on this earth. That's God's desire. And I would like to say tonight that there is no reformation, there is no bridge that we can build to span that gap that separates a sinful man from a holy God. As mankind tonight, we are incapable of dealing with our own sin. God tells us in his word that the shedding of blood is required for the remission of sin. And dear ones tonight, if, each, if any one of us thought that that's fine, then I'll shed my blood for my own remission, then you only had what you deserved before a holy God. 
It requires the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else can satisfy Almighty God in His holiness but the blood of His only begotten Son, John chapter 3 tells us. It's only that blood of Jesus Christ tonight that as it comes upon our hearts and upon our lives can make that transformation take place. God provided that way through the blood of Jesus Christ. Sinless, perfect, holy, the Son of God. Tonight, God gives to mankind the greatest gift that was ever given. That is the gift of Jesus Christ and his blood that he shed on Calvary. You know, I struggle to say that it's a free gift because it cost Jesus absolutely everything. Everything. And the only thing that he gets out of it is your and I redemption. That's all. The gift that God gave through the shed blood of Jesus Christ is a gift so great that it can never be purchased. Not one of us has a big enough bank account. Not one of us has a storage bin of good deeds big enough to get to God. You know, when Jesus went to Calvary, he shed in his blood, he died. He looked down through the corridors of time, and I believe he saw us sitting here tonight. I believe he saw us sitting here tonight knowing that humanity, even in 2021, would be under the condemnation of sin, and that they needed a Redeemer, one to reconcile and to buy them back into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Tonight, it is only the blood of Jesus Christ that can pay that sin debt that we owe. That is the only way to come before God. If we go down into verse 21, it tells us here in verse 21 that he was made sin so that we can be made righteous. We talked about an exchange. Now that's an exchange. That's an exchange when I can take my sinfulness, my brokenness, my guilt, my sorrow, and I can bring it before God. And he gives me righteousness. He gives me holiness. He gives me peace before Almighty God. When that is done, the old man is gone, and the new man begins. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.